take your Bibles, please, and be turning to Jude, verse 24. Jude is in the back of your Bible, right before the great book of Revelation. As you're turning there, let me just share. Uh, it's still technically unclear where we are in the selection process, but it seems we have new president. But we have a responsibility, whoever is in the Oval Office, to be prayer support for them. We are to be praying for those in authority over us. And we stand at a juncture in our nation, unlike any other, when a record number of people have showed up at the polls and yet demonstrated that our country is severely divided and divided almost right down the middle. And so it behooves us to take a moment and to pray for our nation at this time. Will you join me? Father, as we've been worshiping You and Your almighty kingdom, and the fact that You are so above and beyond what's going on here on planet Earth, You are also intimately involved in everything going on here on planet Earth. Nothing about election results have taken you by surprise. But neither has any of it knocked you off your throne. And your call to us is to continue to do what we have always done, and that is be good citizens of heaven and good citizens of the United States at the same time. And part of those is about praying for those in authority over us. And so, Lord, we lift up not only our election, but the results thereof, and ask you to guide our great nation through this time when we are so deeply, deeply divided on some very moral issues. We need you, Lord. And we put ourselves firmly into your hands. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jude chapter, uh, I mean verse 24, if you'll be turning there for a moment. You know, I've often asked people, and I may have even asked you, do you know for certain that you will go to heaven when you die? It's interesting as I've done that over the years, the vast number of, this, of uh, responses I've received. Some people have come right out and just said no. Most often what I hear is, well, I hope so. And I ask the question, well, based on what do you hope so? And often that is, well, I hope I've, I've done enough good deeds in my life uh, that I've, I've done more good than I've done bad and that I'll, I'll go to heaven when I die. Others have said, well, I don't think anybody can know for sure. Well, the fact of the matter is the Scriptures are abundantly clear about this. We've been in the series uh, entitled, Is Your God Too Small? And we ask that question because we have found scripturally as well as in our lives that many times we're tempted into diminishing God into a much smaller being than He actually is. That we put Him in a box or we put Him in a denomination or we put Him in a series of rules or expectations. And that when we compare the God that we really believe in, that we practically day-to-day -day believe in, with the God of the Bible, many times we have to admit our God has been too small. Our concept of God has been too diminished, far too tiny. And I don't think there's any place that that is more abundantly clear than when He comes to 
this matter of eternal life. Now among Baptists who have been Baptists for many years, you understand that this is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints or the doctrine of eternal security. From those outside of our, our Baptist body, many refer to this as once saved, always saved. And, and though uh, I totally agree with that, it's probably not the best way to express the realities of the Scripture. But what I want you to know is this. If your God is big enough to save you, but He's not big enough to keep you, your God is too small. And you need to be introduced to the God of the Bible. The God of the Word. Because that God is big enough not only to save, but to keep you for all time and eternity. Now, I don't say this in a way that would in any way diminish some of you who have real concerns. Some of you have concerns whether or not that you are genuinely saved. Whether or not that you will go to heaven when you die. Let me tell you, there are two possibilities here. And I hope today you'll decide which is right for you. One possibility is you've never come to entrust your life into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never asked Him to be the sovereign Lord, the boss, the king, and the ruler of your life. And if you have not done that, there's a reason that you don't have this security. But the other possibility is this. You have trusted God as your Savior, but somehow you've made it up in your mind that He's a big enough God to save you, but you staying saved is something that depends on you. That, that's something that you have to do in order to make that happen. And you may or may not be able to do that effectively. And so that is what I want to address this morning. I want to assure you, not from my words, but from the Word of God, that the God of the Bible is big enough not only to save your eternal soul, but to keep your eternal soul for all time and eternity. And we're going to be all through the Scriptures this morning. We're going to start with Jude 24. If you'll turn there, I want to read that with you. We're going to have it on the overhead in case you don't have your Bible. I want you to read along and understand these are the words of God, the infallible Word of God. Will you read that with me? Now to him who is able... Can I stop right there? To him who is able. Well, I like that word, don't you? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Not only is he able to save your soul, he's able to keep you from stumbling and, go on, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I am not in a position to argue people into assurance. It is not my role today to convince anybody of anything. Rather, that is your role, Holy Spirit. So will you come and so inspire your Word and target your Word right to our heart that we will hear from you. We, we want to discover the great God of the Bible. We want to discover the huge, magnificent God Almighty. And especially this morning, the God who is not only able to save, but the God that is able to keep. And in that name we pray, Amen. He is able. I just, I just love that. I can camp out there and just spend a long time there. He is able. He's able. He's quite capable of keeping you safe 
and secure in Himself. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I'm going to give you a phrase, and it's a phrase that we are going, or really a, a sentence, we're going to repeat many times this morning to really secure it into your brain. Here it is. If you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Now, I want you to say that with me. If you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Now, we're going to say it many times. You're going to get down pat as we go on. This is the key. Your security of your eternal soul does not rest with you. It rests in Christ alone. I want to say that again. My security rests in Christ and Christ alone. Say that with me. My security rests with Christ and Christ alone. And when you say that, you're saying that God is big enough. God is mighty enough. God is powerful enough not just to save my eternal soul, but to keep my eternal soul. Will you take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Timothy? Go back to the left, deeper into your New Testament. And find 2 Timothy chapter 1 for me. We're going to hear these great words, these three great words again that he is able. But I want you to see it in another context. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and find verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Let's read it together. It's going to be up here on the overhead again. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I believe. Now we sung that just a few moments ago. I love it when we get to sing our faith. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded, I'm convinced, that here it is, that He is able, now what is it He's able to do? To keep what I've committed unto Him against that day. What have I committed to Him? I have committed my soul to Him. I have committed my spirit to Him. I have committed my life to Him. And what has He committed to me? He said, Son, I not only know how to save you, I know how to keep you. And I want you to understand that. If you're saved by the Savior, you're safe with the Savior forever. Say that with me. If you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Let that minister deep into your soul. A tiny God can't do that for you. A tiny God may be able to, to save you, but He can't keep you. A tiny God will save you, but then it's up to you to keep yourself. It's up to you to be good. It's up to you to remain safe. And, and it all depends on you. But I want you to know the God of the Bible says, my salvation is secure in Christ and Christ alone. That's what I want you to hear. Echoing through your brain. Now turn with me to 1 Peter. Go back to your right just a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, we're going to find this concept. This is not just a few isolated verses. I could stand here and we could go to verse after verse after verse after verse. Old Testament, New Testament alike. Just enough, I want you to see the consistency of the infallible Word of God pushing this home. A tiny God cannot keep you, but the Almighty God can. 
That's what I want you to hear. 1 Peter chapter 1, find verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, find verse 3. Let's read this together, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again. That, that, that word really is, he, he has born again us. That don't sound right in English, but that's what it says in the Greek. He has born again us, okay, unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now look, to an inheritance. You and I have an inheritance. We've been saved for an inheritance. Let's look about that inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It does not fade away. And it is reserved in heaven. Now the comma is not in the right place right here. That comma needs to go after heaven. Okay? Reserved in heaven. Now let's read on. For you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Do you hear that? Kept by the power of God. Not by your power. Not by my power. Not by a denomination. Not my baptismal waters. You are kept by the power of God. That is the key. I want you to underline that in your Bible. I want it to really come home with you. You are kept by the power of God. I want you to say that with me. I am kept by the power of God. That is so incredibly important for us to grasp. We're not kept by our own determination. We're not kept by our own attendance. We're not kept by our contributions. We're not kept by our hard, hard work. We are kept by the power of God. What does that mean? If you're saved by the Savior, you're safe with the Savior forever. Let's say it. If you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. A pastor was asked one time, uh, uh, by, by, uh, by a parishioner, he said, how can I know that I'm saved? And he says, well, it depends on who saved you. If you saved yourself, you can't be very sure about that. But if you're saved by Almighty God, there is nothing and no one who can snatch you out of His hand. Hallelujah deserves to go right there. Now, let me tell you, there's some people who don't have this confidence. There are some folks who can't be sure of this. And it's important. I have to underline this right now. Those who trust in their church attendance are not covered by this. Those who are trust in a baptismal event are not covered by this assurance. Those who trust in their own goodness and the ability to keep the rules and regulations of church stuff are not covered with this assurance. That they're not included here. Those who had some experience way back a gazillion years ago and have never had any ongoing relationship and abiding with God since then, they're not covered by this assurance. Because their trust is not in the Almighty God to save them. See, this is critical, folks. This is key. 
You've got to know, first of all, that you're genuinely saved. You've got to come to that point in your life that you have surrendered doing life your way to doing life God's way. You've got to come to that point in your life that you lay down any goodness you think you might have ever had and understand that all of my goodness is as filthy rags. Understand the Scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those who have been genuinely saved cannot and will not ever lose their salvation. But there are those, let me tell you, I, I, I came through this personally because the church where I was saved, uh, the denomination, the church in, in where I was saved, taught that you could lose your salvation. They taught that you were saved, but especially if the Lord came back, and they were looking for Him to come back at any minute, if the Lord came back and, and found you telling a lie, if the Lord came back and found you wearing too much makeup, if the Lord came back and found you smoking a cigarette, this is, coming, this is my, out of my generation now when I was real young. You're damned! You've lost your salvation! And people would regularly, every week or two weeks or a month, come to the, to the altar and get saved all over again. Because they felt they could lose their salvation. There's a huge danger in this, folks. If you can be saved and then lose it, how sure are you that you can get it back? And if you can get it back, how sure are you that you won't lose it again? You see what I'm saying? What kind of a salvation is that? What kind of security is that? None. None whatsoever. But that's not what the Bible you hold in your life teaches. There's a danger. It strips you of any certainty of eternal life whatsoever. It strips you of any assurance that you've been forgiven. It leads to fear. Especially as you approach uh, surgeries or, or calamities or, or, or death. It just takes all that assurance away. It tends to make us very legalistic. And, and you need to do these ten things and not do these ten things and, and then you can be sure. It, it tends to take our focus off of Christ and puts the focus on ourselves and on what we can earn. It leads to despair. And, and many people just abandon the faith altogether. As I look back at a lot of my friends in those early days that many of us came to Christ together, a lot of those have just left the faith entirely because it all depended on their performance and they couldn't perform to a high enough standard and so they said, who needs this? Who needs this? No assurance, no confidence. It keeps you from growing because you think you have to just get saved over and over again. It makes the Christian life unstable. It's a roller coaster. You're up and down and up and down. You don't, you don't ever know when you're going to be up and stay up. I, to me, it takes the good news out of the gospel entirely. There just is no good news. But it's not what the Scripture teaches us whatsoever. The Scripture teaches us if you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Let me put a fine point on this. Our salvation rests in God and God alone. As a lost person, 
damned in my sins, I came totally unworthy to the throne of grace. Jesus Christ had died to take my sins upon Himself and rose again that I might have His life. And by simply believing in Him, confessing my sins, and crowning Him as Sovereign Lord and King of my life, a great exchange happened. I gave Him all of my sin. He gave me all of His righteousness. I gave Him all uh, 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 of my pain and despair, and He gave me His eternal life. That exchange happened. And it was a contract that was sealed, a covenant that was sealed, and could never be broken. That's what the Scriptures teach us. Now most misunderstanding comes from we don't understand the difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is where by faith, through grace, we come to faith in Christ and we're transformed. We're born into the family of God. Salvation is, uh, sanctification is as we grow in our faith. As we grow and mature in Him and we become more Christ-like as we pursue holiness and obedience unto God. Now, now, your salvation is something that's eternal, it's fixed, it's forever written with the blood of Christ in heaven, and nothing can ever change that. But your sanctification is the cooperation that you have with Holy Spirit to abide in Christ, to live in His Word, to pray in faith, to fellowship with believers, to share in witness to the world, to be engaged in ministry. These are not the things that save you. This is how you express that you are saved and how you grow in that salvation. That's the key, understand the difference. But if you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Can we look at just a couple more scriptures? I want you to be anchored in the Word. I don't want you to be anchored in what Brother Fred says. I want you to be anchored in the Word of God. Okay? Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. Go back again towards the back of your Bible. You were at Jude earlier. Back up just a couple of pages. You'll be in 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 and find verse 11. I want us to read that along, or read that together. We're going to read three or four more verses together and just let this, let the echoing of Holy Spirit's words just keep pounding on the drum of this doctrine in our hearts. Let's, let, let's read this together, okay? And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this gift, by the way, this giving is something that is true for now and it keeps on giving. That's the tense of the verb. It's a continuous presence. It's given now and it continues to be giving. Okay? Has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. In Christ. That's where the life comes from. And he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. Now look. Next verse. These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, will you underline that? That you may know, will you please underline that? Let me say it one more time. That you may know that you have as your present and forever possession eternal Life. Did you see that? That is key. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. What does it mean to have the Son? That means Jesus Christ is the Sovereign Lord 
the master, the boss of your life. You have given your life to Him, and He has given His life to you. If you have the Son, you have eternal life. If you're saved by the Savior, you're safe with the Savior forever. A tiny God can't do that. If your God is not big enough to keep you, you are not serving the God of the Bible. Grasp this. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 37. Here we find Jesus speaking. If you have difficulty accepting Paul's word for these things, have difficulty accepting John's word for these, these things, have difficulty accepting Peter's word about this, let's go to Christ. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Here, John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You underline that? If God draws you to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He receives you as your sovereign Lord, He will by no means now or ever, cast you out. Let's read on a little further. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of the Father. Ready? This is the will of the Father who sent me. That all He has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of God who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. Do you think Jesus might know something about God the Father? Since how they're one. You don't get saved unless the Father draws you to the Son. The Holy Spirit convicts your heart of what Jesus has done for you and how you have eternal life. So if He has brought you, He cannot lose you. If you're saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. He is promising that He will never lose you. He will never neglect you. He will never give up on you. He will never quit on you. you say, well, but I might have given up on Him and I might have quit on Him. This verse isn't talking about you. It's talking about Him. It's not talking about your sticking power. It's talking about His keeping power. You put your faith in what the Word says. Go over in the Gospel of John to chapter 10 for a moment. One of my all-time favorite verses in verse 27. John 10 27, my sheep listen to my voice. And I know them and they follow me. These are all in the continuous present. Again, let me just mention. But I want you to see this. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. 
Those three words. They shall never perish. Say them with me. They shall never perish. Four words I can't count this morning. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand. Where are you? You're in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're safe right there. Let's go on. And My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. The Father's hand comes down, covers the hand of the Son. You are covered and held in the grip of the Father and the Son. If you are saved by the Savior, you'll be safe with the Savior forever. Are you beginning to see this all rolling together? It's the grip of God. It's the grip of God that saves you. Not the grip of man. Just listen. I want to read a couple of other verses to you. John 17, Jesus is praying. And He says, Now I no longer, will no longer be in this world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Father. Father, keep those through Your name that You have given Me. Do you think the Father would answer the prayer of the Son? Yeah, absolutely He will. Let's go back to, to Paul for just a moment in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, In Him, meaning in Christ, in Him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, now look what happens. In whom also having believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. God the Father, God the Son got you, got them in His hand, and Holy Spirit sealed you. In Him also, goes on to say, or excuse me, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. He seals you, and then He guarantees that you're going to get all the way to heaven. Holy Spirit is your seal and your guarantee. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 which has the, the, the heart of some of the songs we've sung earlier today. Paul writes, I am sure that God who began a good work in you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? One last passage and, and then I'm done. Our time is quickly fleeting. Hebrews chapter 7. And I want you to look at this and and, and have you turned that in your Bible for this one? Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to find verse 25. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. He's summing up an argument. That's what you find the word therefore. When you see the word therefore in the Bible, ask yourself the question, what's the therefore therefore? And it's always for what precedes it. So you go back and you see there's the argument and here's the summation. He says, therefore, He is also able, there's that, there he is again, He's able. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. I am saved to the uttermost. Say that with me. I am saved to the uttermost. When we're saved by the Savior, we're safe with the Savior forever. Are you hearing this? If your God is not big enough to keep you, 
you've been fooled into serving a tiny, diminutive God. God wants you to know, Lord God Almighty. He wants you to know that the God is not only, not only capable of taking your sins to the cross and paying for them for all eternity and giving you His eternal life. Not only is He capable of that, what He gives, He can secure. Now remember, this security is not for all people everywhere. It's only for those who have made Jesus Christ their personal Lord and Savior. It's only those people who have genuinely been saved. If you do not know for certain that you will go to heaven, one of two things is true. Either you've never come to that place in your life that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never come to that point that you have exchanged your life for His. Your sins for His holiness. Your damnation for His righteousness. You've never come to that point that you have said, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I, I want you to be the absolute Lord and Master of who I am. If you haven't done that, these promises don't apply. But they can. Because you can make that decision in the next couple of moments. And I'm going to invite you to do that and I'm going to show you how in just a few moments. Show you how to take the first step into eternal life. But the other possibility, if you don't have this confidence, is that you have been genuinely saved. But somehow you've been fooled. Somehow you've accepted a counterfeit de deity. One who's able to save you, but the responsibility for your being saved lies upon yourself. I have to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, you've bought into a God that's way too small. I want you to reach out and lay hold of the God of the Bible. The Almighty God who can not only save you, but can keep you. Time to do business with Him. You pray with me? Father God, right now, some of my friends here in this room and watching via media right now, if I were to ask them face to face, eye to eye, do you know for certain that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Some of them would say no. Some would say, I hope so. Some would say, I think so. Some would say, I'm trying my best. For all of those, Lord, right now, if they do not know You in the depths of their heart as their absolute Master and Lord, Holy Spirit, will You encourage them to pray with me? Right here in the congregation, and at home as well. And just pray like this. Say, dear God, I don't have any assurance because I've never given You my very life. I've never turned control of my life over to You. But right now, I dare to believe 
that you died on the cross to take my sins upon yourself. And you rose again so that I might have your eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I invite you to be the boss, the king, the ruler, the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. I give control of my life to you. And I want to receive in exchange the assurance of your eternal life. Father God, I know the, on the authority of Your Word that there's not a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, that's ever made their decision to follow You that You have ever, ever denied that prayer. And so on the authority of Your Word and Your heart, I know that every man and woman that are here today, anybody that's even at home that have made that prayer their own, You have given them the first step into Your eternal life. And you'll never give up on them. You'll never leave them. You'll never forsake them. They are yours for all time and all eternity. But it's time now for us to celebrate, Lord. So those who have made that decision here in the sanctuary today, in a moment when Ed leads us to sing, I pray they'll come forward and be seated on our front road where we can rejoice with them. Eric and Derek will be close by. Tony's right here. We'll share with them. But Lord, there are some at home that have prayed this prayer as well. And I pray they'll give us a call. They'll call us here at our church number and give us the opportunity to talk with them over the phone. And if it's possible, visit in their home and encourage them in the truth of Your Word that they can have this assurance in their heart as well. Holy Spirit, do Your great work. Some may want to come to the altar and pray. Pray for themselves or pray for others. This is your time, Holy Spirit. May Jesus be high and lifted up in whose name we pray. Amen. Oh.